where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. I will share that with you guys and I will also share it with Hannah. So when you guys get the notes and it has questions and stuff in it, you guys can look at it and fill it out. So it'll help you kind of jog your memory of, oh, this is what I wanted to say for that or whatever you need to do for it. But you will also have those. So... The first question that we ask everybody, what do you guys want to be called? Do you want to go by your actual names? Do you want to go by a pseudo name? I'm fine with my real name. Yeah, you can call us your real names. Okay. Some people that we've talked to are like, I don't know if I want to use my real name. I'm like, okay, so. I don't think I'm that liked by the group anymore. Me either. So <laughs> I don't think it matters. It's all right. Yeah. Small group, I think that's still kind of on the in with whatever is still happening with that because I yeah. don't even know. It's been so long and I don't keep up with any of that. I have no idea. Me neither. Yeah, I've heard uh, very few things, but last I heard, it's very small these days. Wasn't um, so. Remind me again, kind of what you guys wanted to talk about because I remember you said something about kind of your relationship when you were in fired up and kind of started dating and how that was viewed or something yeah we thought that could be a good point we were talking about it a lot and it has like so many different rabbit holes though i mean there's like so many parts that play into it i was brought up way different than he was my parents were never involved his were so it's like very two different groups yeah but that's all really good stuff because we ask that we start with the same three questions basically is we ask um what's your background with christianity in the church how did you get involved with this community and when or why did you leave so those are your three ones at the beginning that we'll kind of ask so we have a good background to go on and then we can go with you know what you guys want to talk about from there so because that's it's it's good that you guys have the different um kind of upbringings with it because we did with this with ryan just kind of as almost a control group because he had no affiliation with this group whatsoever he had no idea about it until he met me and i started talking about stuff and he was like wait you did what and i'm like totally normal in this group and he's like that's not normal so it's good that yeah. you guys have different backgrounds because you'll have more more stuff to talk about and it'll make more sense as we go on. So. Yeah, I think that like just with like the dating side of thing, well, dating in and of itself, I know you guys did a whole episode on that, like mm-hmm. courtship versus dating. Um, that was, you know, looked at in a certain way where, you know, courtship and chaperones um, were part of the world that we grew up in. Um, and then also like the 18 and over rule that was kind of unspoken, but like it was never like fully put out there. They just always said like you shouldn't date unless you can get married and yeah. provide for your whole family. Right. So. Oh, I remember them telling the guys don't go shopping with empty pockets. You know, you need to, right. pay, yeah. you need to have a house bought already. You need to be able to, you know, provide X, Y, and Z already kind of stuff like that. But I don't remember 
the girls at least having that kind of expectation. It was like, oh, if you're 16 and this guy wants to date you, have fun. Enjoy. Yeah, it was, I think it was a lot more of an, like an 18 look at it for the guys. Yeah, because it was not for me that like I was 16, like I should be dating. It yeah. was very much. But I think it's because like Trevor wasn't an adult yet. He was 18. And so like, how could we date for two years before we could legally get married? Mm-hmm. Was more the thing. It was like you can't date that long. Like you'll never like make it if you have to wait two years. That's what yeah. I thought a lot. We did it for five years. <laughs> you can't wait and stay abstinent. Just get married. Great yeah. Advice. Great advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of that was like there was also a lot of influence from my parents too. Mm-hmm. Like they were pretty strict on the whole dating side of things right. and so it made it um put extra strain on the relationship there you can factor in this the side of things that like depending on where your standing one was with this group differed in how you were treated in, in these regards like there was many people who may have dated at 18 or, or 17 and been looked at as perfectly fine or been allowed to occasionally go off by themselves because they were in such good standing or they were essentially viewed at like a higher level than other people whereas <laughs> yeah whereas someone who wasn't in that group you were looked at with that extra level of scrutiny you weren't trusted nearly as much you were always doubted so there is there is a lot of factors at play in like our relationship just starting out uh, starting out on that so we started dating on like 2015 yeah you did. Um, yeah so that, I'm really proud about that. yeah so that's when we started dating um and like the questions and um the concern all that kind of stuff that started like literally the next day oh yeah like i was pulled to the side because it was the day before we left that when we stopped at that church in Reading. Mm-hmm. i was pulled to the side that day because i'd sat next to hannah too long on the bus the two-day bus. bus ride where there's nowhere else to go there's uh, another 50 kids surrounding you right over you. yeah because that's you know really concerning so like there is there's that side like then it was just a, like almost every week i would show up and i was a small group leader i was all all these different things and i would get pulled into like you remember that like library room that they had that like no one really ever went in yeah yeah i'd get pulled in there and they'd, they'd question me and if most of the time it was on my relationship with Hannah and what that I wasn't setting a good example by dating so young. And I kept being like, well, what have I done wrong? And they couldn't answer. They could never answer what I'd done wrong. They just kept saying like, well, you got to think about the younger kids here and that they'll look at you and think that, you know, they should be able to have what you have. They don't know like your maturity level. I'm like, well, I'm as mature as you say I am. Why are you questioning me on this? What is, have either of our parents come forward and said there's an issue with this? Like, has there actually been any, like, breaking of rules here at at this group? Have we done anything? And there was never an answer given to me on that side of things about what I had ever done wrong. But it was nearly every week. I, I got, we were outside the norm. Yeah. I mean, I got pulled aside because someone heard swearing in public. We were all swearing in public. <laughs> but yeah, but like, that's, that was, that was like... At the point of that, at that point, because I chose to start dating at 16 and started dating Hannah, who was not looked at favorably at all in the group, I later came to find out, um, everything that I'd done in my, around that group became, like, when so there's always something they'd be able to bring up 
that they try to pin on me for some reason. And I never understood why, but like it, it all really started stemming from when Hannah and I got together and then I was not invited back to be a small group leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not invited back to anything with the group. Um, I ended up, um, the start of the next year, I showed up for the first couple, um, the first couple like weeks and everything. And just this complete cold feeling from everybody. Like no one would like, I couldn't even have a conversation with hardly anybody. I ended up because at the time I was very, I was a lot more concerned with how these people felt. Um, I moved my own work schedule around to make an excuse for not being able to come. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I don't want to make it seem like I backed out. And then I like, they cut all communications with me. They dropped me off of all the lists and everything. Like no one would like, they made it very clear that they didn't want me back. Um, which is fine. I didn't want to go back as I, yeah. as I left, and as I reflected, I realized, wow, a lot of what was taught was kind of fucked up and I don't agree with a lot of that. And for a long time, like we would always talk about, we'd call it a cult. And we'd talk about, you know, what we learned and all that stuff and, and trying to pick out, you know, the, the good stuff that was in there. Like I'll, I'll say that there were some, yeah. there were some teachings I'm not going to say were bad, but there was a lot in there that were like, wow. Okay. Like that's, that's not healthy. That's not right. Um, and then I saw like Hannah posted that poem. Like a few months ago or whatever, that I I survived despite fired up, and I was like I was like this is great because mm-hmm. no I feel like no one's ever really really, really spoken out against this is like a mini Bill Gothard like That's group at this point. To do this. We're like, no, I'm no so glad to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, everyone's so scared. Even like people who've left the group, like even I, like I'll talk to people about it, but I. Not the people that are still somewhat connected because it's just you're so frowned upon for it already mm-hmm. and already don't have a great reputation. So, but I'm like excited yeah. that there is this platform where like they can be outed without, you know, really being outed. <laughs> but anyone who listens to it that knows the group, they know exactly. Yeah. yeah. They know, and they're probably going to be a little bit pissy about, you know, oh, why are they saying this? That's not how it happened because there's a lot of people that have came back and said that. That was maybe not your experience, but this is what a lot of people or myself have experienced in this group. So you were probably in that, you know, higher tier than the rest of us were kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. yeah, the huge reason of why we wanted to do this. We're like, it's time. It's time we talk about this. And unfortunately, we have come a lot with people who are, they're afraid to say stuff and that fear is holding them back from saying like really important stuff that I feel that other people could hear. Yeah. Well, I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) For like, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't really want a relationship with those people who are like, Oh, you don't believe what I believe or like what I like. Then like, I don't want to talk to you. It's like, I don't want to have those relationships anyway. They already accused me of turning my back on God when I moved in with Hannah a few months before we got married. So Yeah, so that was a really big thing Mm because you guys, you had probably just left the group kind of at that point too, or were you out of it for a longer? It was about like a year at that point. Yeah, but we still had connections and like friendships in the group. Yeah. 
and when we did that but like when you buy a house like i'm not just gonna have trevor live in it while i live at home for six months i'm like that's so stupid can you put that down like we both bought it like it's our house i'm not just gonna be like hey well you have fun paying all the bills by yourself because i don't live there yet and there's so much going on behind the scenes and no one understood like I've been kicked out of my house. Like I got kicked out of my parents' house. You got kicked out of the house. Yeah, I got kicked I out of my no parents' idea. house. And so, like, I ended up like moving in with her family mm-hmm. because my housing stuff all fell Quick, fell through. I was going to move in with a coworker of mine, yeah. and because like my parents, like, they got really, really controlling towards the end of me living there. And so they would be like, I was like nineteen, and they're like, "Yeah, you're not allowed to go anywhere. You can only go to work and school, and then come home." And so, like, it got to the point where I was like, I, my mental, like, health wasn't doing great living at home. And I, that's what I told them. I was like, hey, my mental health isn't great here. I'm going to move out here in a few months. I'm getting something set up with my coworker. I just want to kind of give you guys some heads up. And I'm like, well, that's how you feel. You can get out now. So I literally packed my shit and left that day. Knowing that he didn't have anywhere to like, go for months. Live. I didn't talk to my parents for months. Um... Wow. Almost a year. Yeah, it was it was like almost a year because I lived with because everything with my coworker fell through. And then I was just gonna try to find like an apartment, and then her dad was like, "Don't throw money away like that. Just you can live here for a while, save up money, and we'll look. You guys can look for a house together." Because at that point, we were nearly engaged. We ended up getting engaged a couple months later, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, we got the house, moving together. Um, I did actually I did reconcile with my parents and everything, and we're good now. But uh. It took took a lot it took a lot of time and a lot of work on their end. So, question about that because it kind of yeah. sounds similar to what I went through with my parents when we left. Um, your parents were for a short amount of time. I remember part of the leadership group, mm-hmm. kind of like about two years leadership group. But do you feel that when your parents were kind of in that weird leadership position that they got more? strict and kind of just crazy about dumb stuff uh, that level or did it come later it came so it came later because they were in leadership for like two years mm-hmm. and my parents were always super strict about stuff i mean okay. um but um so i don't think that the involvement with the group necessarily it might have fueled some of it at the time my parents had a falling out with that group as well and that's why they stepped out of leadership. Okay. Because, like, my dad went and pretty much said, the direction you're taking this in is not healthy. It's not in line with the direction that you laid out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. saying that you wanted to take the group in this direction. He had, you know, you're getting off on these different things. You're teaching things that I don't necessarily agree, agree with. Um, and then they would have every message that they would give my dad to teach they would later on heavily criticize him for uh because they didn't like um they didn't like what was said and and i think the breaking point for them was i don't know if this was given in the group there was a talk on hypocrisy in the church okay and so my dad kind of illustrated that it's very true yeah and it exists through all the churches and it has a higher likelihood of existing in the churches because of like a type of belief system where you have and a standard for good versus one where you don't, mm-hmm. there's bound to be more hypocrisy. They didn't, they didn't like that because they didn't, 
they wanted him to teach it in a sense that showed that the church was all good. Yeah. So there's a lot that happened there that kind of led to my parents, my family falling kind of out of grace with this group. Hannah's family never standing in good grace with the group because her dad got into an argument with the leaders the first time they ever met each other. That's about right. It's probably um, the best, honestly. <laughs> and then, yeah, this is kind of all spiraled out from there. So since being in the group and kind of going through the stuff that you guys did with starting your relationship there, how did that kind of affect your guys' relationship moving forward once you got out? Well, honestly, what a lot of people don't know is, like, our relationship was a secret for, like, so long. Mm-hmm. Because it was so frowned upon that, like, we would, if we ever went out in public, like, there had to be, like, an excuse for him to, like, leave his house. And my parents didn't give too about where I was or what I was doing. As long as I told them, they're like, we don't care. Like, right. you're fine. You're 16. You can date. So they're like, whatever. But he would always have to come up with excuses and this and that. And we'd have to meet in public, but we'd still have to be, like, secret because, mm-hmm. you know, people out there and they would actually, like, tell his parents. Oh, so, like... Yeah. I've- heard of there being spies for specific people that were kind of almost tagged on them to you need to keep an eye out for this person yeah and so I was like everything had to be a secret so when like we were finally were dating and everyone knew that well we couldn't be seen in public too much mm-hmm. together because like that was a problem too and like we didn't do chaperones so big red flag right yeah Ooh, so terrible <laughs> and like his brother lived down the street from me so Tyler. When he would, yeah, Tyler yeah. right down the street. Oh, okay. When they were living in Malina, yeah, with that weird house. Yeah. I went to it one time. Yep. Yeah, we lived further down that road, but like going all the way down that road would eventually lead to Trevor's house. There was like no safe place, so I feel like it just created like we never really had a first date. Like you could ask us what was your first date, no idea. We didn't really have one. It just started in secret and continued in secret mm-hmm. for years really until i'm like this is stupid like we're adults we're not even when we kind of like let loose once we were out of the group like removed from it mm-hmm. it things got easier but it was really hard when we were in the group because we had to make it seem like we weren't talking to each other on wednesday nights and like we weren't like hanging out too much together which really helped to have our friend group except nobody liked our friend group <laughs> so like we could all hang out in a circle mm-hmm. but yeah. it, everything was just like so uptight and so eyeballs on you all the time for doing nothing the fact that they cared so much but didn't care at all because you were not you know in their box so to speak i suppose yeah but they cared so much about what was happening and what choices you guys were making why i know like we were five it was crazy and i didn't ever grow up with any of these beliefs or any of this so i'm like this is ridiculous and trevor was really influenced by it and not that he agreed with it, but he was. I was afraid. He was really fearful. I was really afraid of like the repercussions, yeah. not only from the group, but from my family, from my parents, because of like their, um, like their look on it and everything. But I actually later on, I forgot to mention this. Later on, we found out pretty recently that the leaders of this group went to my parents when we started dating and told them to break us up because um, it wasn't good for me to be involved with her family. Like went to his house. Like they came to my house when I was gone to try to break us up because they didn't like her dad. 
Yeah. Like they went to like no guys because I had the same kind of intervention, but it was more like spiritual. I'm a bad kid instead of I was in a relationship, but I was there for that. I don't know if you guys remember uh, one of the episodes that we did. We talked about, you know, here are some of the ways that it's a cult. That's one of them mm-hmm. right there. And yeah. huge, huge, huge red flag. They're like, we don't like her. We don't like her family. So, like, get rid of her. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe, I don't know. I I don't know if your parents really liked me in the beginning. We haven't got confirmation on it, but I don't think so. Me and his mom are best friends now. Love her to death really close and I didn't really like her then either apparently that was the whole scheme behind everyone it was like break them up which is so crazy and we learned this like recently like a yeah. year ago I was like that is absolutely crazy we've been together like eight and a half years now I'm like that's so wild I feel like in years I get new information from like way back then and I'm like the pieces just keep I know it's wild the thing the lengths they went through I'm like why do you care that much like, Get a job. <laughs> yes, because they they had so much control, and I feel like they if they didn't have control over those certain people, because the rest of the group, you know, they had a really good control over a good portion of them, but then there was the rest of us, and if they didn't have control over us, something would be in their lives, or I don't know. Yeah. It was I was pulled aside, like, every week for my outfit, without fail. I was always wearing the wrong yeah. thing. Didn't matter what it was. peak for your outfit. If you don't my mind what? Anything. What was your, their critiques for your outfit? If you don't mind. I love jeans with blingy butt pockets. Love those. <laughs> Big no no there. Absolutely not. If they knew me now, I never get out of my leggings. So what's it even worse now? So you could wear them under your skirts, but not out in public display. Yeah, I literally looked at them. I'm like, you know what? They are men, and whatever I'm wearing doesn't matter. They are envisioning whatever the heck they want to envision. It doesn't even matter what I'm. I could be wearing a potato sack, and they're still thinking about my ass. Yeah, it was like my tank tops were not four fingers, they were three fingers, or the stupidest things. And like, I don't know if these people, they obviously did not know me, because I was like, you're not going to change who I am, and this is just who I am. My parents say this is appropriate, and you say honor your father and mother, and my parents, I'm like, my mom actually helped me pick out my outfit tonight, because I was tired of this argument. I, I was very outspoken. That was my biggest red flag, and that's why I was outcasted so fast, was like, no one was going to tell me no. I was like, mm-mm. Like, I don't play that way. The more you tell me no, the more I'm just going to do it. See, I don't know how I made it so long then, because I was the same way. I got talked to all the time about stuff. They did not like me at all, but I think it's because of maybe who my parents were. I have no idea how we lasted that long, because... That is funny. We sure weren't the perfect Christian fundamentalist family that they kind of had lined up. So, I don't yeah, know. I wasn't either. But at, in the beginning, they didn't know my family. So that was to my advantage. I came with the almonds and they were very well respected. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. So originally, I was in before I even knew that was a thing. What? Until they met your parents and then they were like, mm, maybe not. My parents don't step foot in churches. That's just not their thing. They're Christians, but they don't believe in church. I was like, if I wasn't already an outcast, I'm like, now everyone hates me more. But I really didn't care. It was a dumb argument over semantic. It was like a semantical argument anyway. Like, it was so, it was, they were asking me, her dad, what his relationship with the cross was. He was like, I have a relationship. He was like, I have a relationship with Jesus. Like, what about the cross? And she's like, what are you talking about? 
I have a relationship with Jesus. And like, so you don't have a relationship with the cross? He's like, I don't have a relationship with the piece of wood. Like, and like that's where they're they're so upset at him for not like it was just when I heard it, it was like the dumbest thing ever. And he smoked cigars. I remember him smoking a cigar at the table with all of them. And you could see like they were like so disgusted by it and he's just like puffing away like <laughs> like he does because he does all the time. And she brings us from very different backgrounds and when I tried to mix in with the group, they're like, Who is this? Get her out. I'm like, I'm just a stylish person. I always have been. I just like what I like. Mm-hmm. I like to be cute. And I'm like, I just don't find certain people's styles there fashionable or cute. And that's fine. They can do whatever they want to. But I'm like, that's just not me. I like my tight clothes. And that, <laughs> that's just now I live in baggy clothes because I'm like, this is way more comfortable. But right, I know. I was like all about the fashion and the bling bling. So I did not like that. Yeah. And I found out later that um, the first day I walked in, Oh, Trevor asked, he's like, who's that girl? He's, you tell it. Cause he oh, I was like standing at the back of like the first room you walk into it. Mm-hmm. I kind of looked over at them and I was like, oh, who's that one girl in the middle of them all? Oh, that's Hannah Woodbury. She's a stuck up rich girl. I, he's never met me. He said that without even knowing me. I'm like, I was already being talked about. Never even met these people yet. <laughs> not want Hitler's wet dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of until it's too late. And then you're like, I don't know how to get out of this now. Like, how do I leave? How do I not? Yeah. I'm like, these are my only friends. I mean, like, that group became my my life of, like, friendships. I'm like, I don't know what to do now. I'm so confused because I'm like, everyone seems to really love this group. But, like, I went just for the friendships, if we're being honest. Like, I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of the church because I never grew up with church. And so, like, I was not going for, like, the message or, I was just going to hang out at the end of all of it. Yeah. You went to public school, yes? No. I was actually homeschooled (laughs) until high school. And then I went to online public school. So, I was still at home. Okay. I thought you were one of, like, the very small number of kids that was actually public school. No. Not till college. Well, you know, some of us, yeah, had that. Wow. Yeah. So it was just like a lot of, I would always go home, tell my parents like what they talked about. They're like, that's crazy. I'm like, I know, right? And like, they actually told me not to watch Cinderella because it is an unrealistic idea of what love is. I'm like, that is so, who looks at Cinderella and thinks that that's real life? I'm like, these people are crazy. And then I would, I would just go about my day. I'm like, yeah, crazy. And I would brush a lot of it off. Whereas like Trevor, I could tell me, like I pursued Trevor because like he never pursued me, even though like there was obviously interest. And I'm like- this is weird, so I guess I'll just do it. <laughs> and I started asking him and, like, pursuing him. All the girls were like, that is so crazy. Like, you're a girl. I'm like, and? I had this unrealistic, stupid standard of you can't do anything until a guy asks you. And if there's no interest, maybe you're not godly enough. And if you do, you're you're like causing a man to lust right now you can't do that yeah i was on the very opposite end of the spectrum i was like women can do whatever the frick they want like if i if he's not gonna pursue me and i know there's interest Mm -hmm. i'm just gonna do it and she's like well what if he doesn't i'm like well then he doesn't i move on Mm -hmm. i was like then i can stop worrying about it or liking him if he doesn't like me back and so i just went out there and i just said hey let's play a game he's like okay i'm like let's try to guess who each other likes and it was like a three-hour game 
And I, I wish I would have had that kind of group when I was in because I was like just trying to skirt by. Oh, yeah. I've just always been outspoken. I'm like, I'm just going to do what I want and talk to who I want. But I just had a very different upbringing. I'm like, I was a very take charge woman back mm. then. I did what I wanted. I said what I wanted. I wore what I wanted. I was just like my own person. And nobody got to me back then. Anatomy real quick entering this group. So if I would have come in later, I probably would have had the same kind of ideals. I just had to hide them a little better. <laughs> yeah. That's why I feel like the different dynamics are so like, because yeah, like the way you grew you grew up in that place. I grew up a short amount of time, even though, because I was normal, like going to church. I was public schooled until fifth grade. And then once I got out of that, then somehow, I don't know who still, I'm, I blame whoever brought us to this group. And then we were in it for what, nine years? Too long. It was too long. Yeah. I was there six. Mm. Yeah, way too long, but I'm like, well, I guess I found my husband there, which is kind of funny. Dad literally helped us hide our relationship. He would, like, pull his car out of the garage so Trevor could park his car in the garage that, like, his brother would drive by and, like, not. I know, like, parents were, because we would tell them, like, his parents this or said that. They're like, that is so crazy. He's yeah. like, you just come on over whenever, and you, or he'd park in my spot in the garage, and he's like, well, just hide your car. It's weird how much more of a relationship you can have when your parents, when they're not so strict and can like, you can talk to them about things. Yeah. I feel like if my parents were like his parents, we would never have dated. There'd be no way. No. We had no one on our side except my parents. Yeah. Which I think they liked that we weren't lying to them. Yeah, probably. And so they were more willing to like help us sneak around because they're like, we're not lying to us. So yeah. I remember still being having to be really like sneaky about stuff even when we left and I was going on secret dates with guys and trying testing the waters with that for myself and trying to figure out where my boundaries were lying with stuff because I didn't have those in the group. I wasn't able to experience these kind of things. So yeah, it's it was wild. I cannot get over some of the things that we went through. But um Okay, one of the questions I have written down that, because we don't want to completely go, this was, this was, all of it was, was there anything good that you remember getting out of the group, whether it be friendships, um, things that you learned, anything? And this <laughs> might be one you need to think about for like a month and then come back to that document and type that in before you forget. Yeah, there's stuff like I, like I mentioned, I think some of the discussions weren't, um, weren't bad or weren't entirely, entirely bad. I think that I'm obviously like we got, we got together the group. So very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. My friendships from the group, like all turned out to be false. So, I mean, like a lot of that didn't end up working out super well. Some of like the, well, I don't know if like the methods that they went through on certain things were the, the right way. Like me being like a small group leader and kind of being given some of that responsibility at a young age, I think kind of helped develop some leadership skills early on that like have helped me in my like professional career. Um, just kind of get a get a leg up on other people that are kind of in my same age group. Um, yeah. So there's stuff like that that I can look back on and be like, well, like this, this wasn't all bad and this helped out. But um, yeah, 
I think for me, like spiritually, it helped me be a lot more comfortable, like praying out loud. I, so like that type of thing or like memorizing verses, which I didn't love the whole thing about like how you had to memorize every single word perfectly to go to like the rewards retreat. Yeah. But I was grateful that like they presented it to where like I would, you know, memorize some of the scripture and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, I don't love their method on it. But I mean, like that and getting comfortable, like talking about what I'm going through, what I need prayer on. Like, that's just something I never grew up having. Mm-hmm. So like that part was kind of, kind of cool. I like some of the messages, but I will, a lot of them left me really confused. I think cause I didn't have the background, mm-hmm. but I really battled feeling guilty with myself a lot after leaving. Oh, was that? I think it was just like, it was a lot different from what I grew up hearing or even what my parents would say then. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I was like, is this wrong? Is it right? Because they're saying it's wrong. My parents are saying it's right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I just feel like a bad Christian. And my parents are like, you're not a bad Christian because you like this or do this or you listen to other music other than, like, worship music. Like, it doesn't make you bad. And they're like, you can't even check out at the store unless you're in the friend- family friendly because there's magazines and you can't look at that stuff. And I just always felt like a- an internal battle of, like, what I was doing was sinful. And then I just always felt really guilty and like conflicted. Mm-hmm. And so that was hard, but I knew a lot of their message, like they had good intent with some of them, but yeah, I think That's they're like just their messages. I'm not sure to this day if they meant for them to come across this way. I don't know if that's how they meant to, or if that's just how all of us took it because that's the way they presented it. Or if that's, kind of really what they were trying to do and almost like kind of scare us into just doing what they said almost with their messages or whatever i think they liked the fear-based tactic i'm not gonna lie yeah and then i think that they also like towards i guess my the end of my time there um they started to kind of get into like a dangerous realm of teaching where it was like not just like "Mm, that doesn't sit well with me or that it was like, there was one specific one where I remember I had to, like, go to small group. And essentially, I very clearly spoke against the message to my entire small group. Mm-hmm. I had to do that on a few occasions. That always got me in trouble. Um, but what it was... What was that message about? It was on, it was, they did a talk on, like, depression. Oh, and what did and, they say? Oh, they said if you're depressed, you're, you're not being a good Christian. There you're not is. praying enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not willing to give it to God. You're holding on to, like, your worldly, fleshly desires um, when God's, you know, it's just so easy to give these things to God. And it's an indication that your heart is not in the right place. Yeah. It's all these all this messaging that is not, it's not being said with any grace. It's not actually being, it's not what you speak to someone who is in that position. Because if, 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 if I'm over here going, oh, I'm so depressed, maybe I'm even, you know, to the point of being suicidal. And then I'm going, hearing that, wow, okay, we're going to talk about depression. Maybe this is going to help me. And I hear, if you're depressed, you're not a good Christian. You've disappointed God, all these different things. That's not bringing me up. That's taking me way further down. And that was, those were like becoming more and more frequently, those type of topics that would come up. And so it got to the point where my last year as a small group leader was three or four messages that I just straight up spoke out against. Good. I'm glad somebody because it that needed to happen. It frustrated my my co-leaders quite a bit. 
And then I get pulled in by the leaders the next week and they'd be like, Hey, we heard you spoke out against this message. Like you can't be doing that. I was like, but you say in your messages, if we don't agree with you, we should go to the word. We should, we should bring this stuff up. I'm like, no one takes you up on that because everyone has blind faith here. Mm-hmm. Everyone blindly follows whatever you say because you're the leaders and you say this. So how is it wrong of me to present a different viewpoint if you were telling me I can do that? And they would just say, well, you're, you're part of the leadership. Like we need to kind of show like alignment here and um, you need to come to us about those concerns prior to going to your small. Then you haven't actually trusted me to lead this small. Yeah. I'm glad that you were able to be a small group during that time and speak out against that because they wouldn't even let me. Yeah, that's why I did that's why I didn't get invited back to this year. Well, you know, that one year hopefully did some good because Yeah. None of that should have been happening. And it was when I left, it was escalating to that point, but we hadn't quite like gone over yet. It was a lot of really like secret hidden stuff that was happening still, and it was all very hush hush still. It seemed like it very much came out into the open a little bit more during your guys's like later time there's the thing after you left i went like one or two more years and I, those last couple years were i really felt like the the messaging escalated no um no. to a much higher level wait i was gonna say something i forgot oh i think you were in my very first small group my first year you were in it really? it was an all girls one. Oh yeah when they did the split groups that one year yeah that was my first year I remember really liking you my first year. And then, like, we never, like, talked after that. But then I became friends with your brother because he was friends with Trevor. That was the thing. I had to become friends with all of Trevor's friends just to talk to Trevor because they made it so, like, you can't talk to someone because you like him. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to ask either because if they found out, you were going to get talked to about it. it happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just became friends with all of his friends. And, you know, they turned out to be my friends later on, too. But I had to tell them that I just used him to get to Trevor. And they were offended for, like, five seconds. And I was like, it's fine. We're all friends now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my it's gosh. Just That's a lot of life lessons. Remember, I don't remember that at all. I was pretty sneaky about it. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I was very under the radar. I had to make it look like it was believable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, I had another question for you guys because you guys were there a couple years after I was and probably maybe remember a little bit more because I have huge memory gaps. Um, pertaining to purity talks, what do you guys remember specifically being told? I know Trevor's kind of told me a wild ass one that I need to know more about. What do you remember, Hannah, about any of the purity talks that you sat through with your background, you know, hearing any of that stuff? The thing that I thought was really funny was when they gave the talk about that and they were saying how, like, you can't, you shouldn't even handhold until you're at least engaged mm-hmm. because you handhold, well, then you think it's okay to kiss. Or you think it's okay to like front face hug or, and then pretty soon before you know it, you're having premarital sex. Right. And I was like, okay, that's, that's a weird one. That's, that's strange. And I'm like, but that's not how I'm going to do my relationship, but that's fine. If that's how they want to do it. And then like when we would split guys and girls for our purity talk and they would just bring out these lace doilies and these baskets and they would talk about how to make a house a home for your husband and your family. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, this isn't purity. This is like on what they think a wife 
looks like right. and how to serve your husband and which like yeah it can be a good thing but it was like you know you your hand woven baskets and these doilies I made and like all this stuff and how to decorate a house or I just remember it being like the silliest stuff and I was like so sorry about him glitching out and um I was like this is so weird and then Trevor would have a talk about you know like sex and depression and all like these different things and I'm like well I learned what a basket and a doily was like this is crazy yeah I just don't feel like besides like don't handhold don't really try to hug or don't go off on your own and definitely don't kiss Mm -hmm. that was like the extent of what I got from purity talks there okay and obviously no sex before marriage but that was like a given that was kind of the unspoken rule of you don't do that or else kind of thing yeah but i don't remember there being anything like super related to any of that stuff where's your water you probably came along i remember a couple talks where it was a little bit more in depth on the whole like purity thing but it was basically just the same guidelines or rules that we were all given that was just reiterated and then here's how to be a good wife and you'd move along with that but um it wasn't until late july or early august that i finally got to hear one of the guys purity talks because we found recording i mean i don't remember some of the ones that were on there there was a guy's purity talk there was a girl's purity talk from like 2011 so i don't know when you joined in 12 or 2013 2011 would have been my first year yeah that was trevor's first year okay um Trevor, you might even remember some of the talk if you heard it, basically rambling on about men don't do these things. And that's where he specifically said, you know, Paul said, if you can't stay abstinent, just get married. Like, that is the worst advice you could give a horny teenage boy. That was oh, yeah. not the only time that was said. That was repeated many a time. Um, and I really only, like, Later on, because they wouldn't necessarily do a purity talk every year. Mm-hmm. They would kind of mm-hmm. touch on it briefly, but there was the talk with the guys. Oh, what was that one on? His was on what it takes to support a family. Mm-hmm. And it was like literally a math like equation. Married. Yeah, so he just like had a big whiteboard and was like, it costs an average of this month, this much for rent or to own a home this much for groceries and he was like breaking down the costs of everything what you needed to make how much you should have in savings like what you should realistically be shooting for before getting married so and then he had like gold like before you even start dating you should have x amount of this taken care of before getting engaged this amount before getting married this this amount. so his talk was like was very practical but it was also very much predicated on like you know that ultimate goal has to be marriage regardless like you can't just you can't just date to to get to know someone or date to like see if there's something there it's always Mm going to be and i understand like the intent like dating with the intent of marriage i think that can happen okay yeah i i get that from being like i'm not personally i was never interested in just just dating for whatever like i was going to date with the intent that i'm that i was going to see what the relationship held Right. But the problem with that that I felt was I felt like it wasn't an option to leave. No, thankfully I didn't want right. to. But I felt like, okay, once I start a relationship, like there's really no going back. Mm-hmm. Like that's how they made it feel. I mm-hmm. felt that way too. And that's why I, the one or two times that I was asked to court 
for the intent of marriage was the whole sentence of that usually i was like i'm good thank you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that gave me anxiety because i was like well, i don't want to hurt you when you think it's forever and i'm like whoa like i'm 16 calm down <laughs> like get this relationship going in three months and have a wedding <laughs> Yeah, because mm -hmm. that's what I saw. I'm like, once people start dating, they are married within the same year. And I was like, literally, literally. well, I'm still in high school. I was like, calm down. And they're like, well, that's why you shouldn't date till you're 18. And I'm like, okay, but even at 18, not ready to get married. That's yeah. crazy. I'm like, I want to go to college. I want to have a career. And they're like, oh. Like, okay. Dad, I had didn't get married until I was 28. Yeah, I totally went out of the norm of the group. Yeah, we dated for five years. That was very out of the norm. No mm -hmm. one believes us that we waited till marriage, but we actually did. Even living together, no one believes it. But I'm like, why would we lie about? I remember asking because he's like, oh yeah, they bought a house together and they're moving in. I'm like, oh cool. And I just nonchalantly asked because I didn't. I was doing yeah. my own thing. I'm like. They're sleeping together, you know, good for them if they are, but if not, okay. And he's like, Oh no, they're waiting until marriage. I'm like, Good for them. Yeah, nobody, nobody, because that's what's like you're turning your back on God. Like, there's mm -hmm. no way you can remain. I'm like, Have you met me? Like, if I want to do something, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And for me, mostly it was like the fear base, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I was terrified. Because even my dad was like, you will go to hell if you don't have, if you don't wait. Because I'm like his daughter, right? He's going to say anything to get me to not have sex before marriage. Very, very fear-based. And then like some trauma from my childhood, you know. But for the most part, I was very fear-based. So, but you know, everyone's like, there's no way. And like, and you waited five years. Like, it's just so unbelievable. And I'm like, well, that's because like, we have life to live. We have, you know, we had to. I got through college. Like, we had to do these things, have jobs. I'm like, I'm not just going to willy-nilly get married because that's forever. We need to make sure, like, this is what we both want. And yeah. we're I'm like, living together before I got married was great. I couldn't imagine moving in together on our wedding night. Oh, my God, no. The stress. I'm like, you have no idea how stressful it is to live with a man. And I'm like, I don't think so. Like, it was so easy for us. I'm like, well, it's not easy for us. And I don't think it's easy for a lot of people. Mm -mm. And it seems like some of that gender stereotypes that were kind of ingrained into them that they're just like la-di-da life is great and you look at it from an outside perspective being out of this group and you're like there's so much you don't know yeah and I feel so bad I feel like I want to take them all in and like sit them all down and be like this is what that's why I love this podcast even though I know she doesn't listen to it, but I'm like, everyone just needs to listen to this podcast because there is so much behind the scenes that no one catches. Yeah. Okay. Mm, very. It was the, our age or older kids right underneath that lower level of leadership that were kind of that like top popular kid group that I just wanted to light on fire that kind of displayed that yeah it was like no one's safe to go to in that group right so there was nowhere safe them, it was going to go back to the leadership if you went to your parents yeah. it was going to go back to the leadership if you went to a trusted yeah. older kid they were going to tell your parents they were going to tell the leadership we're going to come back to you and have a religious intervention it's you know it was like there was really no one to tell anything there was no safe group yeah I feel like this group turned a lot of people away from Christianity. Yeah. I know a handful and I'm like, that's so sad because like it's supposed to bring people to Jesus and like everyone should be accepted for where they're at and who, you know, that is like Jesus's job to help right. change their heart. And they took it on as like their job. And if they couldn't fix you to how they wanted you to be like, 
you were just out. And I feel like that also made it hard to say things because, like, you didn't want to be shunned. Yeah. And, like, never allowed back and fired up. I mean, at a certain point, I left myself. But, you know, earlier when I was most influenced, it was, like, you didn't want to say because then you might not ever be allowed back and that's where your friends are. Yeah, and you kind of had this feeling like those were your only friends, too. I don't think I had any outside friends at that point um, because everybody was there. I didn't know. I didn't have the opportunities, though, either to make other outside friends. And I was literally starting clean slate. And I'm like, oh, these people are my friends. And, you know, they accepted me. And then, of course, after I left nine, ten, whatever, how many years later, um, and no one talked to me ever again, I was like, oh. I see how it is. Okay. Yeah. That's how I felt too. I feel like that it was that or nothing. And I didn't want to be alone. And so a lot of the stuff you just turn a blind eye to, you're like, well, this is what it is. You can also see how different people, like we talked about earlier, different people are treated. I feel like you are always treated as like this work in progress. Like, okay, who wants to take them on this year? All right. Like, like we're going to have these girls a friend Cassie yeah and you know she's going to you know they're going to be the ones who are going to influence her and finally get her on the right track I know I I think it's probably because we came in and somehow they got told that we were like a divorced family I want to say that's kind of like their whole idea on why we needed their help like there's the, spiritual yeah. guidance. Before I think, before I was old enough to go and fire it up, probably so you're like, you're what, like three years older than I am? Something like that? Who's 28? I'm 25. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you might have just started going the first year, but you were very early on. So, like, they're, um, it's just a really pretty, like, pretty bad family. And, like, they're going to need, like, a lot of help. And, like, I am, like, people got introduced to us as here's this broken family for you guys yeah i'm away from them i'm like 10 or 11 at this point figured you should know i don't know how they knew i was a spoiled rich kid which i wasn't i wasn't rich i didn't think i was snobby either but i'm like but i was like how do you even know that about me like there's already talk about me and i hadn't even gone that's what baffles me a way of finding out information that was not by me at least explicitly said out loud to anybody and yet they knew and i'm like how Uh here to share because i didn't tell anybody that told me what i could do what i could participate in what i could not participate in what i was allowed to do activity wise there's so much weird there's so many different pieces of like how this is all interconnected and people like give me these stares like what the f- happened to you? In a cult, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. Oh my gosh. We might have to just. I might just need to come to Oregon sometime when we can chit chat about this in actual person. There is so much that happened. There's a lot of healing to be had through chatting about it too. <laughs> There's just so much, and see, this is what I mean, like. There's so much to talk about with, like, a topic, but there's just too many yeah. rabbit holes. Because I'm like, well, this is why we're like this, and this is how we got here. And then it's like, 
you open up nine can of worms, but our relationship is eight and a half years long. So like, there's a lot of can of worms to open. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a a question and I don't want to necessarily talk about it, but I'm curious on other people's perspectives on it because it was a very blocked out moment in my life there. So outside perspectives are always helpful to help me put these pieces together. Um, I'm pretty sure that Trevor was during my whole demon possession. I listened to your podcast about that, but I was not there. I only went that one year that I met Trevor or dated Trevor. What did you see? Because I'm still trying to put pieces together. So I was, you were on the bus. Mm -hmm. You were on the bus with a few people. It was a full bus when it started. Yeah, so I remember I was inside, and like there was just all of a sudden, like the mood shifted. Mm-hmm. And like everyone's kind of whispering to each other. I'm like, what's going on? And like, oh, there's something going on in the bus. So I'm like, all right, I'll just go out there and check it out. And they're like, no, 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 you can't go out. Like, you can't go in there because like, well, what's going on? They're like, well, Cassie's on the, on the bus right now. And like, What's going on? Is something wrong? Is she like having like medical issue or something? They're like, well, uh, no, she's like, I don't know if the term possession was ever used to me. Um, because the way it was like, well, she's under attack right now and she's not willing to give certain things up and let these strongholds be broken. And like, there's clearly demonic influence going on and they're trying to kind of walk her through these issues that she's having a lot of it was related to like your relationship with your dad and stuff and they were bringing that up and i'm like oh wow like that's crazy type of a deal (laughs) he's like we need to like surround the bus in prayer and worship so we had all of us come out and hold hands surrounding the bus and like sing and pray and everything and do all this stuff. And there was a lot of this talk of like, maybe some people said possession, but like you were clearly being attacked or influenced by demons. They were like, like you were allowing them to speak through you. And that was someone, what someone said to me was like, the words coming out of your mouth were clearly not your words. They were demonic words and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and then it kind of just like, everyone told us to like go away because it was like too much or something. So like we all kind of went back inside. Mm-hmm. And then everyone kind of went to bed and that was that. And I woke up the next morning and everyone is kind of curious what had happened. And you were like going on walks with people. Like no one could, was really around you. Mm-hmm. you like but I, remember I saw you occasionally, but you were very much like, I'm not going to engage with, which I didn't blame you. Like the amount of embarrassment that like I would have felt in that moment. Like I would have wanted to crawl into a hole and die. I did. And what happens when you get attacked by weird Christians? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, from the outside, it was just very much like you were under the influence or possessed or something by demons. And, and like these people were in there and they were guiding you through getting the demons cast out and your strongholds broken down. And Which I thought you couldn't be possessed by demons if you had the Holy Spirit living in you. That's why there was a bunch of moms afterwards asking my mom, do you think she's really saved? And my mom was like, excuse me? Because I was like, yeah, you can't, like, be possessed if you are a Christian. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Obviously, they're just creating drama. As usual. 
but okay. I'm going to be curious to see in, you know, probably many years from now, if that'll ever happen, a perspective of somebody else who was on the bus. But I haven't found any of those people. I don't remember who was on the bus besides the weird group that was surrounding me speaking in tongues. Yeah, that, honestly, I am glad I missed it, but it sounded like a crazy time. Yeah, I don't know how you guys lasted so long. I feel like everyone was out to get you guys too, and you just you stuck it out. Clayton stopped. Like growing up, yeah, that we went through. Humor is our trauma response, so yeah. I would not be surprised if that's what it was. I did they ever think that us being rebellious and kind of spoken against the that we, they that we were was because of their own leadership and their actions, and we were pushing against insanity never them no, they're no, never no, the problem no. they were never in the wrong of course it's never them definitely your parents or you guys or your friends or your friends friends or it's never never their problem they are perfect you can only aspire to be like them you know yeah. all right well i should probably let you guys go um i will write down a bunch of questions and i will re look over this conversation okay. there's just there's so much we could go yeah this literally we could get on the podcast and just do this mm-hmm. kind of go a little bit of everywhere if you want to um but i will break yeah. down some try to like keep it going yeah when i get those written down i will email it to you and you can your email hannah i can message it to you i think that's it thanks for talking <laughs> Yeah. Thanks no. for uh, talking to us. We are excited. Me, it was a great time. <laughs> it was. We're excited to help you guys just continue this platform and get more stories and perspectives out there. Yeah. Seriously, thank you. It's been kind of difficult because I feel like a lot of people are still afraid to say things because of retaliation. I think that's still a thing. Um, they are. Well, hopefully this helps having us on there. Okay, well, thanks for chatting with you guys. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Bye.